Hi, it's Jonathan Williams back again at the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Bricks and Mortar podcast, that's a podcast about property. If you've got an interest in property, buying, selling, renting or investing in property, then stick around for the next half an hour and I'm sure we'll have something that'll float your boat and light that candle. We're watching the hockey today where it's uh, Sunday, Sunday afternoon and we're here at the Scottish Hockey Centre out in the east end of Glasgow. We're at the fag end of the hockey season and number one is uh, playing, uh, I think, in some Scottish knockout competition. So we're here for three games and I thought what I'd do is I would just knock out the next podcast in the mobile studio. So we're sitting in here in the Volvo and uh, we're just going to knock out the next podcast. It is not one of our interview podcasts. Having said that, I spoke with a gentleman at Keller Williams, who uh, you probably don't know who Keller Williams are. They are the largest estate agents. I think they're the largest estate agents in America, possibly. I think they would like to class themselves as possibly the largest estate agents in the world. Uh, just as most Americans do, um, but they are thinking of breaking into the Scottish market. Interesting. Um, I'm having a chat with a guy who I think is going to be responsible for rolling out what their vision is going to be, and I'm going to have a chat with him next week. But as I say, we're at the hockey. Uh, it's Sunday. On Friday night after work, we were invited out to a charity do uh, the Bobath charity, which is a cerebral palsy charity, and it was a great event. They had the usual bits and pieces. They had an auction. We had um, uh, there was a quiz, I think, there as well. But interestingly, they had a sort of circus act. I guess it was a poor man's Cirque Soleil. And in the middle of dinner, they had somebody on a trapeze. It was. It wasn't quite the Western Baths, um, but it was certainly something that was was pretty interesting. They just looked so graceful, and if you've ever been on a trapeze or or done the fly down at the Western Baths, you'll know that it takes hours and hours of practice to look half proficient on a trapeze and. It got me thinking about that and the comparison with, say, investing in in property and the buy-to-let, that at the start of it, you knew absolutely nothing. The whole thing was incredibly clunky. You ended up spending so much extra time that you didn't need to because you didn't know the rules of the game. But then over time, you get to understand the rules of the game and you become proficient. And then once you become proficient and you start buying flat after flat and renting it out, you soon become an expert. But it just doesn't stop there, does it, as far as your expertise is concerned. It's it's a journey of continual learning. And certainly those who have been investing in buy-to-let over the last 18 months have started to get their heads, or have needed rather, to get their heads around all the changes that have been happening as far as the buy-to-let side of things. What with the the change in the tax regime, you've got digital tax now coming in, you've got the stamp duty. And what we're going to talk about this week 
on the main segment of the show is the buy-to-let mortgage and the stress tests. If you don't know anything about stress tests, then do stay and have a listen because it is absolutely vital that you understand how the lenders are now going to work out how much money they're going to lend you. It's all about the stress test. So listen, we're going to kick that off and let's talk buy to let, getting a mortgage and what do the stress tests mean? Right, let's talk buy to let mortgage, shall we? What I want to do here is talk really about three particular points as far as the buy to let mortgages are concerned and then have a little chat about where I see the futures going with regards to buy to let mortgages. So listen, let's kick off with the three. I'll go through the three. Uh, So we're talking about stress tests. So in essence, that means that the lender is wanting to make sure that there is sufficient income, that's to say rental income, coming in to cover the mortgage. And they work that out in a stress test. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about loan-to-value, LTVs, and what the lenders are prepared to lend these days. What they're prepared to lend is very much based, first of all, upon stress tests and then loan-to-value. And then finally, we'll talk about salary because some of the lenders will need you will need to make sure that you have got a certain salary before they will be prepared to lend. So kick off number one, stress tests. As I say, the lenders want to make sure that there's sufficient income coming in and it's not a simple equation where you've got 500 quid coming in and as long as your mortgage is 500 pounds or less, then they're gonna give you some money. No, that's not the way that it works. The way that it works is that the lenders have to take into account potential voids. And the way that they do that is by making sure that your rental income is equivalent of, and it used to be back in the day, 125% of the rent. So that you had to show that the rental income was 125% greater than what you are paying on your mortgage. Now, the other caveat to that is that it wasn't the pay rate as far as your mortgage payment was concerned. So it wasn't your 2.2, your 2.3, whatever you had your two-year fix or your five-year fix rate on. No, generally speaking, it was done at 5.5%. So you had to calculate you the the stress test was based upon the amount that you borrowed at 5.5% and that figure had to be 125% greater than the uh, or that figure had to be uh, equivalent to the rent so the rent had to be 125% at 5% and that was doable you know when interest rates um are as low as as they are it always seemed to be capped at 125% at 5% 5.5% sort of irrespective of what the interest rates were and it was manageable you know there weren't you didn't really have to think too greatly about the stress test because by and large 
you the rent that you were charging was well in excess of the particular stress test. But given the issues of 2007, 2008 and a whole raft of properties being repossessed by the banks and building societies, they suddenly started to look at their books and they suddenly realised that they've probably been a bit slack as far as lending policy is concerned. Buy to let back in the day pre-2007, 2008, a lot of self-cert stuff was about there. So, you know, you could pretty much say whatever you wanted in order to get the mortgage. Those days have gone, obviously, and now we're looking at the stress test. But the stress test has moved on. The stress test is no longer 125%. So they've ramped that up and different lenders have different amounts. But generally speaking, it's now 140% at 5.5. And that is a game changer. That means that because the values of properties have gone up steadily, rental income has not kept pace with the values of property and that's now having a detrimental effect so much so now that when you're actually looking to buy a buy to let investment back in the day you weren't overly concerned about the stress test it was all to do with loan to value but now the watchword the first thing that an investor really will look at if they're needing finance is the stress test. So there's quite complicated calculations that you need to use to work out an amount of rent. What does that actually mean that you can borrow? But I've boiled that down and in essence it's this. That if you're borrowing, then you need to multiply the rent by 150.47. Bit of a random number, but I've done the calculations and the arithmetic equations, and ultimately all you need to do is multiply the rent, okay, by 150.47. So I'm going to do a blog on this, but in essence it means that if you've got 500 quid, if you're renting a one-bedroom or a two-bedroom flat and you're getting 500 quid, in essence, what that means is that you're going to only be able to look at borrowing £75,000, which means that if you're looking to get a 75% loan to value, your property that you're going to be buying is £100,000. Now, the difficulty is that it might be quite difficult for you to buy a property at £100,000 that you can get a £500 rental income on. So if you go down the table, £600 will get you £90,000. £700 rental income will get you £105,000. £800 rental income will give you a mortgage of £120,000. And £900 a month, which is a pretty steep rent. I mean, you're really only going to look at your houses, for a rent in excess of that or a good quality two-bedroom flat in the West End is going to be between 900 and a thousand pounds and you're only going to get 135,000 pounds as far as 
a mortgage is concerned. So if you look at that particular example, in fact, I've got an example at the moment. There's a property on Early Street which is being marketed by Corum. Home reporting in at £195,000. Prime residential buy-to-let. You're probably talking about a, a rental income there of between £900 and £1,000. Now, if that property is home reported out at £195,000, you're going to get a mortgage, you're only going to be able to get a mortgage of 135000 and that's going to be based upon £180,000 value. So you're not going to be able to borrow anything more than £135,000. So if you want to even have a think about buying that property, you're going to have to shell out in excess of 25% deposit. So the difference there is instead of being able to buy the property with a deposit of £55,000, you're going to need £65,000 as far as a deposit just to even get it up to the home report value. And that is the problem. As the values increase and the rental incomes do not increase in line with the values of the property, it's going to become more and more difficult to make it work at 75% loan to value. What I can see happening is that you're going to have to look at a 40% deposit, even a 50% deposit, unless rental income starts to increase in line with the values of the properties. Now, what I would be saying to you also is that the stress tests, there are some lenders out there, if you're a basic rate taxpayer, that they'll still look at the old 125% at 5.5%. Somebody like Birmingham Midshires, as long as you're a basic rate taxpayer, they will then look at the income multiplier, the stress test, at 125% at 5.55%. So again, that's something to bear in mind, but it is only those that are basic rate taxpayers. Stress test, it's a real, real issue and is going to continue to be so. Let's talk loan to value. Nice and easy, this one. Really, loan to values for the buy to let, you're between 75 and 80%. As is usual, if you've been following uh, property for any length of time, you'll appreciate that the higher the loan to value, then the higher the interest rate you're going to pay. And that's also true about buy to let. 75% is generally what the lenders will look at. Um, and, and that's true also of your limited company buy to lets. You'll get the best rates at two year fixes. You'll be able to get five-year fixes and 10-year fixes. What I would say at the moment is that there's not a great difference between two-year fixes and five-year fixes, um, but there's a big difference between that and the 10-year fix. A lot of people are saying that interest rates are going to go up. I think that that's going to be the case. I do think that the, during the summer we might find that there's going to be an interest rate hike 
and that's obviously going to have um, a detrimental effect as far as the market is concerned. So that is loan to value. Let's talk salary. Now, when you go for a buy-to-let mortgage, it's an uneven playing field. And what they're trying to do, I think, back in the day, I talked earlier about self-cert. In order for you to get the best rates, you had to demonstrate that you had a certain income. But self-cert was very much, well, you could just tell them, how much you were earning and, and that was that was fine. Now you've actually got to demonstrate what you're earning and a great majority of the lenders are insisting that you earn at least £25,000 per annum. So that is the level at which you get entry into the general market as far as buy-to-let is concerned. So there are only really two lenders, two high street lenders who aren't concerned as far as income is concerned and that's the Mortgage Works and secondly Birmingham Midshires. Birmingham Midshires part of the uh, HBOS group and the Mortgage Works are part of the nationwide group of, that's nationwide building society group. Um, what you will find is that there is no limit with the mortgage works as far as how many properties that you can have, but with HBOS, they've got this three property rule, which um, can be quite a bind. In fact, has had been uh, quite a bind for a number of my clients, and that's not just buy to let, three buy to lets, that is three properties with the HBOS group. So if you've got a Halifax mortgage, then you're only going to be able to take out, you're only going to be able to take out two buy-to-let mortgages because they won't allow you to have more than three properties which the, with the HBOS group. So those are the three. Recap there, you've got stress tests, so at the moment you're 140% uh, at 5.5%. LTV is at 75%. You can get some deals at 80%. And salary, you're looking at 25,000 generally to get access to the full market. But what about the future? Where are we going with buy to let? What's going to be happening with buy to let? Well, interestingly, I have a, had a chat with a number of, of BDMs uh, with the banks and building societies, and there is going to be one last hurrah as far as the government legislation is concerned, and it's this. And again, I've talked about game changers. This is another game changer. What the lenders are going to start looking at is rather than treating a purchase of a buy-to-let property as a standalone as far as a stress test is concerned, i.e. if it passes 140% at 5.5%, you tick the box and off you go, there's your money. No, no, no. What they're going to do now is they're going to stress test your whole portfolio. Now, I'm not entirely sure as to what rates they're going to be looking at. In all likelihood, it could well be 140% at 55 
But if your whole portfolio doesn't stack up, then my understanding is that you're not going to then be able to add to your portfolio. So they're going to look at a situation where they will look at your whole portfolio and there will be a requirement for you to be able to pass the stress test on the whole of your portfolio. Now that is going to be a big issue for a lot of people who have used the strategy of buying the buy to let and then taking money out in order to fund the next one and then remortgaging that to release equity to fund the next one. And so although they've got a whole raft of properties in their portfolio, they're all leveraged up at 75% loan to value. And that's okay as long as the market is increasing. But for those who invested heavily prior to 2007, 2008, a lot of their properties will be under the water as far as loan to value is concerned. And so it will be so far below 75% loan to value at the moment that in all likelihood, it's not going to work for them. So will that then mean a stagnation in the buy-to-let market? Who knows? But it's, it's a worrying time if that legislation comes through. The other thing that I've heard through the traps, and again, I don't know if this is just mischief-making, but you're fully aware, no doubt, that in buying a property and holding it long-term, there is some tax advantages if you wrap it within a limited company, both with eventually selling on um, and not having to pay the stamp duty on, on the sales rather than stamp duty on the, the sale of the shares of the limited company, but also the treatment that the government are going to make uh, as far as income tax is concerned. I have heard from two sources that the government at the moment are actually looking at some way in which to prevent you getting the tax relief even if you've wrapped your properties within a limited company. Now, that may just be talk at the moment, but for goodness sake, if that comes to pass, well, you and especially the, the ones that are going to be so hacked off are the ones that have just gone ahead and they have transferred their properties into the limited companies at great, great expense only then to be told that you're not going to be able to benefit there from the income tax relief. So I think if that happens, then potentially that could be a, another game changer as far as uh, those who are wanting to remain within the sector. And finally, and this I guess ties in to the portfolio stress test that I said at the start, that it may well be that the market from the lenders will start to contract because there will be those lenders there who just don't want to be bothered with all the hassle of checking portfolios. And they might just say, you know what, we're going to limit the portfolio to three, two or three or whatever, and, and we're not going to lend anymore. And what they'll do is they'll judge the portfolio and it will be an easier calculation, it will be less hassle, 
but more importantly, it'll be less risky for the banks and building societies. So what you might find is that if the portfolio stress test comes in, then you might find that there is a contracting of the market as far as which lenders are prepared to remain within the buy-to-let space. So it's all change, it's all go, it's a continuing learning process. And again, if we go back to the Cirque Soleil that we saw on Friday night, you've got to keep learning. You cannot stand still as far as your education on buy to let, because if you fail to grasp and learn the new concepts, then it's going to have a detrimental effect for you moving forward. So that's it. Buy to let. As I say, if you've got any queries and questions, don't hesitate to drop me a line. You can get me on Jonathan Williams at begleybrown.co.uk or if you subscribe to the website, then simply just drop me a line on the website. More than happy to help and see if we can get you sorted out. Okay, we're going to wind this up. We're still at the hockey and we've had the second match. First match, they scraped a nil-nil draw. Uh, second match, they were playing Watsonians and, and got a bit of a beating 2-0. And then we've got another hour wait or so and we've got the final game. I uh, don't think they're going to win the, the championship, but it's been a good hit out for the girls. What a day though. What a day. Uh, so it's the 2nd of April and really looking over Glasgow Green and, and over the hockey pitch, there's not a cloud in the sky. It's absolutely glorious. And it was like that this morning. Uh, just give me a recap as to where I'm at with the Ironman training. Uh, we cracked out a 12 miler this morning at about half past seven before we got off to the, the hockey. Um, I have to say, I, th I think I'm beginning to fall apart. Uh, my Achilles heel is, is loping. I've now picked up uh, a knee twinge, um, which isn't helpful. Um, and standing at the hockey is not good as far as your back is concerned. So I have to say I am feeling all of my 49 years. And we've got the race coming up on the 28th of May. So looking forward to that. And uh, we, we knocked out a 50-odd mile bike ride on Saturday. So... Uh, I have to say I'm, I'm feeling pretty pretty pleased that the, the training is going well. It's whether or not my poor body will be able to uh, uh, continue with the, uh, the, the the training regime that we've got we've got planned. Next week, I think we're going to do an, an interview with the, the chap from Keller Williams. I'm certainly meeting him next week, so I've said to him and he seems on the face of it up for an interview so we will do that I think next week uh, we're off again at the BNI um, I do like my BNI on a, on a Friday not just because we get a slap up at breakfast at the end but uh, I do think that this constant requirement for me to come up with the educational slot is really pushing me as far as making me accountable as far as my learning is concerned. And what I'm doing at the moment is I'm doing seven weeks of things that the the group can, 
can utilize when they're at these marketing and networking events and what I was talking about are seven topics and these topics are things that you can actually practical things that you can use when you're at these networking events and what I was saying to the, the guys at BNI was that and I started my my talk on a Henry Ford quote and that quote is that you can't build a reputation on what you're going to do and and I'll just re I'll repeat that you can't build a reputation on what you're going to do and I thought to myself that that ties in really nicely when you're at a networking event and you approach somebody because unless you're you know a large multinational company they're probably not going to know a who you are and b the company that you work for and so therefore any reputation that you know that you have they won't know that you've got that reputation so you can't start talking about the reputation because you don't have any relationship with them you haven't built up a rapport and you certainly haven't built up a trust so you can't build that reputation on what you're going to do. You can't say to them that your you know, your reputation is built on what you're going to do. So what, what do you do? Well, you need to try and come over as a person of value. And I keep harking back to that. Whenever you're meeting anybody in these networking events, you have to be more interested than interesting. You need to be more interested than interesting. You need to be interested in what they are doing. And one of the things that I've said is try the website question. Try the website question. Now, we've all got websites, haven't we? And we've all probably spent thousands of pounds getting the website up and running. All bells and whistles. It does this, it does that. And you probably pay a monthly fee to keep it going. But how many of you out there have actually had somebody give you a critique on your website? I would suggest that there would be few of you listening to this who've actually got had somebody to say, you know what, that doesn't work, or there's a typo there, or when you press that button, I expect to get the blog and it doesn't go to the blog or it doesn't seem to work on, on your mobile. So ask the website questions and what you do then is you go up to the person that you're, you, you see at the networking event and you say to them that you would be quite happy to have a look at their website and give a critical appraisal of it on the basis that they do the same to your website and the great thing about that is that there's a, almost an instantaneous exchange of business cards because who doesn't want feedback on a website that they've paid thousands of pounds for it's an absolute no-brainer and the great thing is that as you listen to what they say about the website you'll get more of an insight as to their business and there are three huge benefits. 
the benefit number one and the biggest benefit is that it's an easy follow-up you have got an excuse to contact them how many times you've been at these networking events and you get this card and you think well how can I be a, pay, a person of value how can I phone them up and offer them something and this is what this allows you to do with the website question next thing is that not only do you, will you have to look at their website in depth getting a better insight into their company but they will also get a better insight into your company because they'll be looking in depth at your website and then finally it gives you some legitimacy to be able to ask more questions about the people that they know thus increasing your trust bettering the rapport and increasing the scope of people that you can potentially do business for so try it out try the website question and tell me how you get on so as the sun beats down here we're just about to have the pass back for the final game i'm gonna go and have a look at that we'll catch you next week remember this is your podcast it is a sideways look at property. It's the Bricks and Mortar Podcast.